Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome back to Everything New York Giants. My name is Adriana and I'm your host. I was sick with a cold last week. It was one of the worst colds I've had in a long time, but it was not COVID, so that's why there was no podcast. But today I'm going to recap the Giants Commanders tie. A lot to discuss. So as always, I'm going to stick with my usual format, start with the offense, talk about the defense, and then special teams. So Starting with the offense, Daniel Jones, 25 for 31 for 200 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, but he had one fumble, four sacks for 18 yards. He had 12 rushes for 71 yards. The longest was 21. He led the rushing attack again. And I know this is something that all of us have been wanting to see. It's something that I think has really been missing in the last couple weeks, and I'm excited. I was happy to see him run the ball again. Um, Obviously, it's a little concerning and probably not a surprise that we didn't win when your quarterback is rushing more than your star running back, Saquon Barkley, who had 18 carries for 63 yards. And just like Jones, his longest was 21 yards. So 134 yards on the ground, one touchdown for Saquon. Um, I, you know, (laughs) I don't even know where to go with this. Um, all right, let's go back to Jones for a second. So obviously that first fumble, the only fumble, I should say, that Jones had in the first quarter really threw off the momentum and was a big difference changer in the first quarter. Now, what I have to say and what I will say about this team is that they have done a fairly decent job of cleaning up mistakes and moving forward from them. And I think that that is what this coaching staff has really instilled. And we've seen it with Jones. And it's not something that we've seen out of him in the last couple of years. And I've said this before, and I will say it again, that I don't know what on earth went down under Joe Judge, but there is no doubt that he screwed up Daniel Jones and a lot of players when it comes to making mistakes. We can talk about Darius Slayton, same thing. But what I I will say about Jones is he was pretty accurate yesterday and he was able to turn it around from that fumble. He could have let it ruin his day. And if he did, we would have seen more interceptions from him and we would have seen, you know, just bad decision making. And we didn't see that. So I will give credit to Jones for that. Obviously, ball security is extremely important and you can't turn the ball over. So whether it's Richie James or it's Daniel Jones, they just it they can't make mistakes like that. This is a team that is not capable of fixing mistakes like that when they happen, as evidenced by the fact that they tied with the commanders and only scored 20 points. Let's talk about the receiving. Now, prior to the game, Kenny Galladay was listed as out with an illness. Now, it's been reported from people who have been in the locker room that Slayton, Galladay, and Brightwell, all of their lockers are right next to each other. So it's probably not a surprise to anyone that they all caught the same illness within about a week or so of each other. So I don't know if Galladay's was really bad enough that that's why he was inactive, or it was a mix of things. But he was inactive and David Sills was active. And I am, I don't think Sills played a single snap, 
which was surprising to me. Um, I thought that we would have seen more of him based on the fact that he was active for the first time in a couple weeks, but I guess not. So um, Darius Slayton led the receiving core yet again. We got to get him to 100 yards one game. He's so close. He had six receptions for 90 yards. The longest one was that beautiful 55-yard catch that just changed the momentum in an instant. And this is the thing that I think as a fan – you see that happen and all you can think is why don't we see it more it has i mean we see it from all other quarterbacks who have their number one wide receiver right they make plays like that all the time and it just you know we know why the giants don't do it that often because they did it again later in the game and slayton dropped the ball so you know it's understandable, but when it happens, my God, it's a thing of beauty. And that was one of the most beautiful offensive drives that I've seen from the Giants, I think, this year. That Darius Slayton catch was a big piece to them scoring a touchdown. Um, so right behind him was Isaiah Hodgins. And you guys, I love Isaiah Hodgins. I know he came out of nowhere. This is the thing that, you know, again, we give coach, we give credit to the coaching staff when it's due. Now, I know a lot of people had issue with the coaching staff yesterday, and I get it. I'm right there with you. But I will give them credit for picking up Isaiah Hodgins, who is the number two wide receiver, you guys, with five receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. So he went five for six. He had six targets and dropped one. Um, Slayton had eight targets, which I don't really think that we need to rehash him dropping those two major catches that would have ended the game. Um, But, you know, we could talk about missed opportunities later. Daniel Bellinger, five receptions for 24 yards. Daniel Bellinger, five for five. This is what I love to see. And this is why the offense has been missing Daniel Bellinger. He is a reliable receiver for Jones. But not only that, his blocking yesterday helped the run game. And that is what we have also been missing from him. So just all around Epic pick. I love Daniel Bellinger. I am so, so happy that he's back. And I'm really excited about his future with the Giants. I think what he's done so far is only a reminder that this kid's a rookie. Imagine how much more we can see from him. And and I just feel so bad, the poor guy with that freak accident. Um, but the good news is that he is wearing a visor, so it shouldn't happen again. Next up, Richie James went um, out of three targets. He had three receptions for 20 yards. Saquon Barkley, much better in the receiving game yesterday. Out of five targets, he caught five for 18 yards. And then Matt Breida. I mean, why Matt Breida is not involved more in the run game, I will never understand. Every week, all I want to do is see Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell mixed in there with Saquon. And I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Especially when yesterday we were having decent success, right? Saquon, 63 yards, is having decent success in the first half with the run game. And we were winning. So it's not like in the second half we were down by 10, 14 points and we needed to throw the ball in order to try and get back on top. We weren't behind. So why are you giving up the run game? I don't, and I, and this is what we can talk about now, right? When we talk about the coaching decisions is that was perplexing to me. We have, I mean, 
people used to crucify Pat Shermer for getting away from what worked in the first half. Making adjustments is important, but switching the game plan from what's working to just deciding to do something else and see if it works is not a good idea. I, like, I don't, I, I just don't understand it. And again, I am not a coach. I'm not a coordinator. I have no idea how they decide to come up with these things, but I just don't get it. I just don't understand why why they're doing things like this. So that was a questionable decision for me. And another, like, I don't, again, I don't understand. And I know a lot of fans were lamenting about this after the game. And I get it. I totally agree with you. Why are they all of a sudden not being aggressive on offense? We got all these players back from injury. I understand the last couple of weeks when maybe you have a little less faith in your receiving core or O-line or whatever they were worried about and why they weren't being creative and being aggressive and whatever, but you have everyone back except for Bredesen, which was the line was not that bad yesterday. Honestly, I was probably expecting it to be a little bit worse than it was. Was it great? No, Jones got sacked four times, but it was better than what we've been dealing with the last how many weeks with Bredesen and Neal out. So we finally have a decent line that's holding up. Jones is running the ball well. Saquon's running the ball well. Hodgins looks great. Bellinger looks great. Richie James, like (laughs) just everyone's getting involved in doing their part and then you fall off from what's working in the second half. I just will not understand I just don't get it. And it's not like, you know, people were saying, oh, they have no faith in Jones. Um, I, I disagree with that because they let Jones throw the long ball multiple times in the second half and he delivered the ball perfectly. He was very accurate yesterday and the receivers were much better yesterday, except for Darius Slayton, who dropped to big drops. And it's not the second one. I know why they did the second one. They were going for the DPI. Slayton has been good about drawing that. And they thought, let's give it a shot this time. If he can't catch it, at least maybe he could draw the flag. But you know what? It doesn't always work like that. So I don't know. Just very disappointing to me that they're getting away from things that aren't working or they're getting away from things that are working and all of a sudden deciding to switch things up and they're not being creative. I mean, look, I know Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James are not Jamar Chase and, you know, Devontae Adams, but they're still catching the ball when you throw it to them and they're making plays most of the time right? Like they're doing the best that they can for who they are in this offensive scheme. And even from a talent perspective. But I just, it's really frustrating. I mean, again, the thing that I will never understand is we have, we're about to give Washington back the ball with five seconds left on the clock at the end of the second quarter. You have Darius Slayton, who already caught the 55-yarder long ball. Why are you not throwing up a Hail Mary at the end of the second quarter when you're about to give Washington back? They're going to get the ball back with two seconds on the clock. Why? Why? It just, I don't understand. You know, and and one of the beat writers said to Dable post game and said, you know, 
you were so aggressive in game one and you've you've been more aggressive with the play calling and stuff. Why not now? Why not yesterday when it's the most important game that the Giants have played thus far? Why when it's fourth and three and you don't get the flag to try and draw the commanders off sides? Why are you not going for it? Why? And and like Dable's answer was, I mean, was useless, was just like something about how, you know, he felt early on that it was better to go for it. And this time around, he just felt like, you know, he was going to punt. I mean, I just it's it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating, especially when we've seen the coaching staff be aggressive. It's not like they've never done it so far and all of a sudden it would be completely wild for them to go for it on fourth and three. We've seen them do it before and they've done it successfully. And I know that going into that, you know, they were not converting that well on fourth down, but it's fourth and three. And there were how many minutes? The game was almost over. You have Saquon effing Barkley. And Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell for that well, who they've ran it with Gary Brightwell and Matt Breida on third and long or fourth and short. I just, I don't understand it. And I totally am with you guys on questioning the coaching when it comes to things like that. Now, in defense of Dable, I will say this because we all, I I mean, someone DM'd me today and said fire Kafka, which I, let's, again, first of all, this is why I don't record the podcast right after the game, okay? We all need to sleep on it, take a deep breath. We can rewatch some highlights and stuff the next day and look through the stats and everything and get a better grasp on it. But first of all, this coaching staff is not going to take drastic measures like that. In case you haven't noticed, they let Richie James return a punt after fumbling it and giving up a touchdown. So they're forgiving, which is fine. They should be. Give people a second chance. But... Don't expect them to do anything I would call irrational and fire the offensive coordinator who's done a pretty good job up until this point because he wasn't aggressive. At the end of the day, Dable's the head coach. If Dable doesn't agree with whatever Mike Kafka calls, he's going to tell him to change it. So you can't blame Kafka for everything. Some of it has to go on Dable. But remember, you guys, Dable is a first-time head coach. So... You know, we were all for Dable when they had seven wins and two losses. You've got to keep that going. Just we have to keep believing in him. But remember, he's a first time head coach. He has a lot to learn, which was evident yesterday to all of us as fans as and our couch GMs like they're. You know, there are things that he has to learn. He needs to improve the clock management a little bit. I would like to see him be more aggressive in certain instances, um, you know, and those type of things. But it's it's going to come with time, just like the roster is not that talented and, you know, is doing the best that they can to play hard and to win games. You know, the coaching staff is still learning as they go. Kafka and Dable have never worked together. This is their first season together. I'm sure there's some communication issues. I'm sure they're still trying to work out, you know, theories and who 
um, you know, what works for them when and decision making and all of that kind of stuff. And I know, I know we're going to be like, oh, but it's 13 weeks into the season. I get it. But at the end of the day, he's still a first time head coach. So yes, there are some things that we saw yesterday that we don't agree with, but he's not getting fired. So take a deep breath. Okay. We're going to be okay. Um, I think that's all I have to say on the offense. Let's talk. I just recorded a whole series on the defense, except I didn't actually record it. So round two, here we go. All right, let's start this off by saying that I was very concerned about the defense based on the way the first quarter went. Um, that was one of the worst defensive showings that I've seen from them in a while. That was quite ugly. So I was very concerned about how they were going to turn things around. And I have to give them credit that they did a really good job of holding Washington to 20 points. They came out in overtime and continued to make big plays, <coughs> which again, the way, I mean, they were exhausted the offense couldn't do anything, could barely get momentum going, couldn't even get down the field enough to get a field goal and end the game. So the fact that the defense played out there and played hard until the very end, I have to give them a lot of credit, especially because when you look at the roster of guys on this defense, guys like Nick McLeod, Zion Gilbert, Vernon Butler, Tony Jefferson, who just came off IR, Jason Pinnock, Justin Ellis, Tay Crowder, like guys who have not done a lot, managed to keep Washington to 20 points. And I, ideally, obviously, they would have kept them to less and maybe would have ended the game a little bit sooner. But they did the best they can considering who is on this team. It is not the most talented roster in the NFL. We know that. So the fact that they were able to make some big time stops when it counts, um, they really are, I think, a good definition of a bend, don't break defense. So let's start it off with my dear Julian Love. Julian played all 85 snaps on defense. He led the team yet again. Julian, not only is he one of the captains and he's wearing the green dot on the helmet and he is an excellent communicator and he is relaying the plays and everything, week in and week out, he leads this defense in total tackles every single week. He had 12 yesterday, 11 of them solo, and one tackle for loss. What a game. What a guy. Next up, Dexter Lawrence. Um, Dexter and Micah McFadden both had nine total tackles, four of them solo. Dexter had one tackle for loss. Overall, great game for Dexter. Did a really good job of stopping the run. Having him and Aziz and... Kayvon and Leo back for the first time ever. And unfortunately, it didn't last that long because Leo left the game um, with that neck injury. But to have them all back in, I think, just gave everyone a taste and a reminder that, hey, we actually have a defensive line. <coughs> and we have a pretty good one at that. And that's exciting. 
And Aziz, oh my God, first game back for him. I can't believe he only played 47 snaps out of 85 because I truly felt like he must have played all of the snaps because he was making such a difference out there that I couldn't have been happier to have him back. And I'm so excited for him. He had a sack and one solo tackle. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you were watching the game, you could feel his presence. You could see the pressure. You could see him getting to the quarterback. There was a huge difference having Aziz back on the field this week. And I am so excited because this is just the beginning for him. Um, Nick McLeod. I just... Listen, he had a pretty good game. He had eight total tackles, six of them for loss. But when you have the ball in your arms and you can't pull it in for the interception, I just, it's a missed opportunity. But not only that, I'm like, it's it's right there. You literally had it in your hands. Like you just, you couldn't get your hands on it and pull it in. It's very frustrating. Julian Love almost had one. Fabian Moreau almost had one. Like these guys were right there. And I need them all to start working with the wide receivers coach and doing some drills because they need to work on their hands, all of them. Because one of those interceptions yesterday, if one of them got it, could have sealed the game. But that's just one example of the 75 missed opportunities that we saw in the game yesterday. So, you know. Speaking of, uh, let's talk about Zion Gilbert, who, listen, had seven tackles, five of them solo. He was brought up from the practice squad, but he was getting torched towards the end of the game. And I just don't know why they couldn't have brought in Rodarius Williams sooner. He got in there for maybe a handful of snaps. But why? We've seen what Rodarius can do. And yes, he's young and he's still learning. But when Gilbert is getting torched, give him a break. Put someone else in there, even Cordell Flott. Put someone in there who's maybe going to have a better shot at doing something more than Gilbert's doing. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, I just, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just would have liked to see him uh, leave the game a little bit sooner and have someone else replace him. He's on the practice squad, not on the 53 for a reason. So anyway, um, Fabian Morell was back after his oblique injury, which is great to have him back. He had seven total tackles, three of them solo. Again, he was, he was close on that interception. Would have loved if he came down with it. Um, he's no Adoree Jackson, but he did a pretty good job yesterday at shutting down the wide receivers. Now, again, something else that I would have liked to see from the defense didn't we learn our lesson after getting destroyed by C.D. Lamb that we should double up on Terry McLaurin? I just, I would have liked to see that yesterday, you know? I know that Odori Jackson's injured, but Fabian Moreau is a great back. So, you know, maybe Double Terry would have been nice. Or Dotson, since uh, apparently even when it's fourth and four, we can't 
make a stop. Which is, I think, what's really frustrating about this defense is we've seen them make really big plays. We're going to talk about Kayvon in a second. They make really big plays when it counts, but they're not consistent enough. That fourth and four would have ended the game. That would have been it. We would have at least gotten a field goal. That's it. It would have been 23-20. No overtime. And, you know, it's just frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um... Obviously, you know, we talk about this a lot. It has a lot to do with talent and roster and all that kind of stuff. But I think some of it is is the coaching too. Like, why are you not doubling up McLaurin? I don't, I don't know. I'll never understand. Um, let's talk about something great, which is Kayvon Thibodeau. Five tackles, two solo, one sack when it desperately mattered. He came in clutch. And he had one tackle for loss. Now, he was asked after the game, because he was right there for the safety. They were on the one-yard line. And he was literally right there. And someone asked him after the game, you know, did you try and go for the ball? Did you realize that just a little bit further, you would have been right there, could have got the safety, whatever. And he said, yeah, he tried. When he brought him down, he was trying to go for the ball. And he just, the way that Heineke was holding it, he just felt like he had it locked in there and there was going to be no movement of him getting it out. But... He tried. But listen, guys, I will give the defense credit for continuing to play well through an entire 10 minutes of overtime. The commanders, I think they had three possessions just like the Giants did. And I mean, Kayvon coming up huge there with the sack. And I think that this is just the beginning for Kayvon. I think we are going to see the Kayvon that all of us have been waiting for. And that was it. I really think that was the beginning. Sometimes you just need whatever it is. It's an interception. It's a, you know, tackle for loss. It's a quarterback hit. It's, it's something that someone needs for Darius Lee and it's a catch early on in the game. They need something to just kind of remind them, hey, I can do this. I've done it before. I can do it again. And I think that's what we're going to see from Kayvon. He did it. This is the beginning of his sacks. And Aziz. Aziz too. Let's go. The Giants had five sacks yesterday. Five. So that's what this defense and this line can do when they're healthy. We just need them all to be healthy. So speaking of the sacks, um, Dexter Lawrence had one. Tibbs had the other. Jihad Ward had one. Justin Ellis had one. And then Aziz had the other one. So 96 total tackles from the defense, 52 solo, five sacks, and five tackles for loss. So um, let's see. Anyone else we need to talk about on the defense? So Leo Williams, three tackles. He left the game again with that neck injury. Um, It was reported today that he was just a bit sore. So I'm hoping that that means that it didn't get worse because it was bothering him last week too. So hoping that he is back and ready to go. We are desperately going to need that front four to step it up against Philly on Sunday. And, you know, a couple other guys stepping in and making tackles. So um, Jalen Smith had five Tony Jefferson, Vernon Butler, and Jason Pinnock had four. Um, Warden Williams had three. And then Crowder, Ellis, Zimenez, Flott, Mondo all had two tackles. So the only thing that I want to point out here is Tay Crowder, his two tackles were both on special teams. And I think that all of us are probably relieved that we didn't see him in as linebacker yesterday. 
Um, I will listen, if he wants to make tackles on special teams, put him in on special teams. Happy to have him there. Not really on the defense. So we can leave it at that. Um, all right. So I think that kind of covers it with the defense. Um, let's get into special teams and then we can talk about some missed opportunities because that was really the key to the game yesterday. And it's why the Giants lost. Well, sorry, they tied. It feels like they lost because of the way that things went. So Gary Brightwell was used on kick returns. He had two returns for 44 yards. The longest was 25, which is maybe one of the best ones that we've had so far this year. Gary Brightwell is an excellent special teamer. I love him. Want to keep him. Also want to see him involved more in the run game. Would have loved to see him in on the fourth and three, but no one would have expected to see him running through. A little fake to Saquon, give it to Brightwell. I don't know, just a thought. Anyway, um, Richie James had three returns for 18 yards and the longest was 12. And you know what? I'll, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't, just hold on to the ball. You can fair catch it every time. I do not care. When you're averaging three yards, I mean, sorry, when you're averaging six yards on three returns, it's terrible. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Just It's just not even worth risking the fumble like we've seen from Richie James. So anyway, um, all right, let's talk about, oh my God, our buddy Graham Gano. Two for three for the field goals. His longest was 48 and he went two for two in extra points. Now, Gano was asked after the game, what happened, right? He's Mr. Automatic. He's made it from 58 before. And he said that, I guess him and Dable kind of had a discussion and they felt like he needed five more yards and he would have been good from 53 because of the end zone. He said if he was kicking to the other end zone, he would have been good. But the way that the wind was coming, he felt like he just needed that extra five yards and they couldn't get it. Because there was a little miscommunication between Richie James and Saquon who bumped into each other on third down. So there's that. Other than that, Cano, listen, he is usually right on the money. He's had a tough couple weeks, but I'm not worried about him. Um, I'm more worried that, you know, they're not going for it on fourth and three. Uh, So... Yeah. Uh, Jamie Gillen, we'll finish out special teams with him. He had a better day than he's had in the last few weeks. So out of his seven total punts, three of them were inside the 20 and his longest was 59 yards. So um, he didn't even have any touchbacks. So this is the thing with Gillen. He's really hit or miss. But yesterday he was pretty on the money. Um, the one time I feel like we really could have used a better punt from him was in overtime. But I guess beggars can't be choosers, right? So again, it's um it was a tough it was a tough game to watch overall. I mean, we talk about this week in and week out, especially during these losses, is that this team is not good enough to overcome 
mistakes. And they, you know, they made it through the Jones fumble and they got points on the board and whatnot, but they can't overcome mistakes. Um, and they have to take advantage of opportunities. I mean, I'm watching the Cowboys game last night and I'm watching Dak throw interceptions and then I'm watching the Colts go and score points. And I just, I'm like, the Colts, really? Really? Do we have three turnovers in the Cowboys game and we didn't score any points? Like, what are we doing? It's just, it's that kind of stuff that's so frustrating. When you finally get the turnovers, we had a turnover yesterday on Heineke. And we go three and out. You know, it's just, you need... They need to take advantage when they have opportunities. They need to make the most of them. And they just are not capable of doing that. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the exact reason is for that. I think it's a mix of everything. Obviously, it's a lack of execution first. Second of all, it's probably the talent. And then third of all, it's probably the coaching. But it's it's just all of it. It's all of it. And it's so frustrating. So I made a... <laughs> short list of some of the missed opportunities that I felt like, and I guarantee you guys, there are probably 20 more of them, but I felt like these were the biggest missed opportunities. And if just they had done one of these things, we would have won the game and it wouldn't have went to overtime and that would have been the end of it. And instead we tied with the commanders. We're not eight and four, but anyway, this is my list. The Feliciano taunting penalty. Oh my God. And let me tell you something. I was absolutely furious when I saw that. Because first of all, you're 10 years in the league. You know you're the freaking center. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And listen, I know that football's emotional and they get caught up in the emotion sometimes and they're, they do stupid things. We all do stupid things, right? But... Feliciano knows better than that. And he said it after the game and whatever. He also said that, you know, Slayton was getting bracketed by like six guys. And then he finally came up and made that big catch. And Feliciano thought that he was going right up to Slayton. He thought he was right there. And he was like, yes, you know, he was really excited for him. So I get it. I get where he was coming from. I understand the emotion. I get all of it. But please don't do that. Just please don't. Like, I don't save the celebrating when you're in the end zone and you get a touchdown or you're on the sidelines or the game's over. Just like, don't do it, you know? But then what made me even more mad was when I watched the replay and I was like, you got to effing be kidding. It's not even that bad. It's not even that bad. And I understand that, you know, when you're looking at it, he's there's like three commanders right around him, but he's right by the giant sideline. And I don't know where Slayton was. I couldn't see it on the video. I don't know if he was behind him or behind the ref, but. I was like, oh my God, this is not even that bad for them to call the taunting. Anyway, that was infuriating. Um, okay, next up, Slayton. First and 10. Huge, what was that? Like a 40-yard throw? Beautiful throw by Jones. It's in his hands. And he pulls it in as he hits the ground and drops it. 
<sighs> and then you see the stat on the TV, those of us who are watching from home, that said that Darius Slayton is second in the league with a s- almost 16% drop rate. And that's why he's not a number one wide receiver. Now he is for the Giants because we have no one else. But you, you just you can't like Jamar Chase is not dropping balls like that. I mean, I'm watching the Chiefs and the Bengals and I'm just like, oh, my God, Travis Kelsey doesn't drop the ball like that. When are we going to have someone who doesn't drop the ball like that? You know, and it's it's frustrating. I love Slayton. I think he's a great person. He's a great player. It's he made all of the things. The inconsistency is just extremely frustrating, especially because he had it in his hands. I mean, forget about the second one that happened right after that on second and 10. They're trying to draw the DPI. It doesn't work. I mean, but the first one, it was in his hands. He had it. Again, game over if he caught that. Game over. Um, the defense didn't stop the fourth and four. I mean, make a huge play on third and four. Beautiful. Make the stop. Fourth and four. Can't get enough pressure on Heineke. He's running. To be fair, he made a beautiful throw and dots in a great catch. But what the hell was the defense doing? Just what are you doing? Why are we allowing Tyler? Ta- <laughs> Keep wanting to call him Tyler. Why are we letting Taylor Heineke do that to us? Why? He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Mahomes. Oh my God. Just so bad. Um, you know, and then a couple plays before that, or was it after? I don't even know. Third down, Richie James and Saquon running smack into each other. I mean, what? (laughs) Honestly, it's at that point, it was almost comical because it's just like, this is the Giants, right? This is the Giants. They have the ball on third down. They have Saquon Barkley. You're like third and five. You know, I'm a little worried about it, but we could probably, it's only five yards, right? We could probably get it. At the worst case, it's four and two. We go for it. And then they just bump into each other. And I just was like, oh my, you literally, you can't make this stuff up. You just can't. Unreal. Then, Right after that, it's fourth and three and you don't go for it. They try to draw the commanders offsides. Doesn't work. Fourth and three, you don't go for it. You got Saquon. You got Brita. You got Barkley. And you have Daniel Jones, who ran for 71 yards. Why not make it 74? You know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But that was... Again, frustrating. I think that's kind of the best word to just overall describe the game yesterday. They had a million chances to win and they just they just didn't do it. They just literally dropped the ball. And it's just frustrating. And but but then you also look at the commanders and you're like, you guys couldn't do it either. I mean, it's pathetic, right? It's pathetic. Um, McLeod, the dropped interception already covered off on that one. It was in his hands and he dropped it. And then the second quarter, we have the ball right before the half. Why? Why are you not going for it and throwing a Hail Mary? Why? The commanders are going to get the ball back with two seconds, two whole seconds. And you know what they did? 
They kneeled. They kneeled. They didn't even do anything. I'm like, oh my God, I just, I don't understand why they didn't go for it. What do you have to, you have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing. You're worried about an interception or a turnover? There's two seconds left. I just, it's just infuriating and it's baffling and you know, we'll see what they all have to say today about it, but I just hit 40 minutes. So, um, you know, for me, I think that kind of covers it. The good news for the Giants is that that didn't set us back in the playoffs. So right now we are the number seven team in the NFC that would clinch a playoff spot today. Oh, just kidding. We're number six. The Seahawks are right behind us, number seven. So um, so right now we're in it, but we need to beat the Eagles on Sunday. And I was watching that game yesterday just being like, oh my God, this is the commanders. What are they going to do against the Eagles when we don't have a Dory Jackson or McKinney back? I mean, I hope that we're going to get Bredesen back, but still, I just, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but so right now we're still in it. Okay. We're still in it. Um, and also as I res- was recording this, so we're going to play the Eagles on Sunday. It's going to be tough. We, <coughs> excuse me, maybe have a shot. Listen, we always have a shot, right? We're not totally out of it. We're a hundred percent going to be underdogs, even at home. It is what it is. We need Giants fans to go. We need you to be loud. Please don't sell your tickets, especially to Eagles fans. But anything can happen. No one predicted the Giants-Commanders game was going to end up in a tie. So you never know. You never know. Um, But anyway, the week after that, the Giants-Commanders game just got flexed to Sunday night football at 820. That is Sunday, December 18th. So... I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, It makes me nervous because we're not really a great primetime team, but you know what? Neither are the commanders. So again, there's a first time for everything. We've already played this team. We know what to expect. We know how to prepare. Now, obviously, the same goes for them against us, but we are going to get some guys back from injury. They are going to get back Chase Young, which is not going to be great, but we are going to have our D-line ready to go. And you know what, guys? We just got to keep having faith in the coaching staff that they know what they're doing and they are going to make the right changes. Now, all of us prior to this week were begging Mike Kafka to get Daniel to run the ball more. And what did he do? He ran for 71 yards. So keep that in mind. They are making adjustments. I pray to God that against the Eagles, they're going to be aggressive because it's the Eagles we're talking about it and they cannot afford to not be aggressive. So we're going to gear up for the Eagles on Sunday. We are going to be optimistic this week. We're going to hope we get Bredesen back and we are going to hope that Leah Williams is okay. Thank God we made it an entire week without someone being out for the rest of the season with an injury. Um, maybe not a whole week. We made it through a whole game. So, you know, Leo should be good to go on Sunday. 
So that does it for me. Thank you guys for listening. If you like this podcast, please share with a friend. You can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So as soon as a new episode is live, you will get a notification and you could pop in and listen. You can follow me at New York Giants Fangirl on Instagram and TikTok. I am on there every single day, provide you guys with injury updates, contract stuff, all that kind of good stuff, um, game previews, players to watch, all that stuff. So check me out on there. And thanks for listening. And thanks for subscribing.